0: Harry lay there, lost for words. Dumbledore hummed a little, then smiled at the ceiling. Professor, said Harry, I've been thinking. Voldemort, I mean, you know who. But Dumbledore interrupted. Call him Voldemort, Harry. Always use the proper name for things. Fear of a name increases fear of the thing itself. There's a particular legacy in literature around great character names, names of literary figures that are riddles and prophecies all in their own right, names that give us clues into the true nature of the character if we're willing just to read between the lines just a little bit. In addition to his passion for automatopoetic names like Scrooge and Mr. Grimwig, Charles Dickens' was also known to be quite clever with his names. A Tale of Two Cities includes the character Jarvis Lorry, an English banker whose principal function, like a lorry operator, was to shuttle people and things, like bonds and important documents and young Lucy Manette, safely back and forth between London and Paris during the French Revolution. Shakespeare also employed clever character names like Malvolio, the puritanical source of amusement in Twelfth Night, whose name literally means ill-wisher. And sure enough, at the end of the play, he vows to take revenge on those who have humiliated him. J.K. Rowling had Lord Voldemort, a wizard so terrified of death that he used the darkest kind of magic to keep himself alive forever, and even gave himself a name that literally means in French flight from death, Voldemort. And for the Arthur C. Clarke and Stanley Kubrick fans among us, there's the artificial intelligence computer HAL 9000 from 2001, A Space Odyssey, a machine designed to make the life easier of everyone who interacts with it but becomes self-aware and self-defensive. And though it's been claimed by Kubrick and Clarke to be unintentional, it's been noted time and again that the letters of HAL's name, H-A-L, are each one letter away, alphabetically, from another computer giant, IBM—a reminder of the danger of letting technology rule our lives. Hey Siri, how long until you take over the world? On this second Sunday of Advent, as is the tradition for this day, our focus turns to the biblical character of John the Baptist. At our service earlier today, we heard the reading typical of this Sunday, the story of John's emergence from the desert, from the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance and heralding the coming of the Messiah. But tonight's reading from the Gospel of Luke takes us to a different scene in the life of John the Baptist, the heralding of his own birth and the story of how he received his own name. This story, which appears only in Luke's gospel, actually begins a little bit earlier than where we started tonight, when the angel Gabriel comes to announce to Zechariah, his father, that he and his wife Elizabeth will have a son, that they will name him John. This announcement comes unexpectedly for a couple reasons. First, Zechariah is serving his term as priest in the temple in the Holy of Holies, where only he is permitted to be. So he's not expecting to see anyone or anything. And Gabriel appears. And secondly, he and Elizabeth are in their old age, and they're not expecting anything to be happening in that particular regard. So Zechariah is skeptical, and he says so. And for his disbelief, he's rendered mute until all these things should come to pass. This is how it happens that in tonight's passage, Zechariah cannot speak, but only write down with slate and rock his name is John thus giving the future baptizer his name. So on the surface, there's nothing particularly exciting about this name. After all, it doesn't seem that John's name means all that much in the greater narrative of Scripture. We know him as John the Baptist, but that's because we gave him that name, not his parents. The name John itself extends from the Hebrew and means God has given, which is nice, but he isn't the first person in Scripture to have that name. But yet, when he's given that name by Zechariah, the crowd is shocked by this. And they say, why would you name this child John? There's no one else in your family who has that name. So why all the fuss about John's name? In the place that this story lives, in in the story of Scripture, there was very little more important than the family tree of God's people. After multiple exiles and now under Roman rule and oppression, family was deeply important. It's one of many reasons why two of the four Gospels begin with genealogies, not just to trace the genealogy of Jesus, but because everyone within that genealogy has a place. It's the story of God's people. Naming a child after a relative within that local family tree was a way of honoring that lineage and of honoring the child's share in the inheritance of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, which represents the eternal promise of what God had done in calling and rescuing God's chosen people. But the story of John the Baptist is going to be different. This is going to be a story of change and transition. That's the ministry and calling of John. John the Baptist is the one who each of the gospel accounts stands between the Old Testament and the New Testament, coming out of what God has done and pointing to what God is about to do. John is the one who marks the transition from one age to the next, from the age of the prophets to the age of the Son of God. It's because of this that John is thought by most theologians as the last Old Testament prophet or the only New Testament prophet. All this points to that season of change that John's ministry will represent. But that still doesn't totally answer the question about why there's such fuss about his name in this story. But by naming this child John, Zechariah is bringing to fulfillment more than just what the angel Gabriel had told him back in the temple, but he's opening the door for what God is about to do in Jesus Christ. It turns out that it's less about what John's name is or what it means, but rather more about what John's name isn't. By giving this child a name that doesn't come from the family's past, the child's name points instead to the days ahead for all of God's people. It's a name that means, not in its original Hebrew meaning, but in the narrative of the whole story, God is about to do something new. And then comes that wonderful song that Zechariah sings, another one of those excited utterances from Scripture which the Anglican tradition has embraced as the Benedictus. And it's in this song that Zechariah, liberated from his silence, proclaims to that gathered family and to each of us the new thing that his son John will be a part of. And notice that it begins with what God has already done. God has visited and redeemed his people. God has remembered his promises time and again. Noticing that in the Magnificat, which the choir sings each week, which comes just before this story in Luke's gospel, Mary says the exact same thing. He has remembered the promises he made to Abraham. This is a story of the fulfillment that comes from the past and points to the future. And with that in mind, John, Zechariah says to his own child, You, my child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. John, later to become John the Baptist, the one who emerges from the desert proclaiming a baptism of repentance and preparing the way for Jesus Christ, the Messiah for whom we wait. That's the ministry of this child named John, pointing to the new thing that God is doing, giving knowledge of salvation. To God's people. Dickens and Shakespeare, Dumas, Moliere, they were very careful with their character names, and it was with equal measures of talent and wit that they crafted their figures. Yet tonight it's the writing of an old muted man we see tonight writing, His name is John, and he shall be called the prophet of the Most High. And all of them were amazed. And so, as we wait this Advent, as we wait to be amazed by this new thing that God is continually doing in Jesus Christ, may we join with this child John to become John the Baptist and point, point to the light, to go before Jesus Christ and testify to the coming light. And then, may it be the name of Jesus Christ, visitor, redeemer, and promise of God fulfilled, May it be Jesus that we proclaim this night, and we praise this night, and not any other. The one to whom John points, the God in Christ who comes to be with us. In the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.